Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on this weekend edition of Trumpet Radio Live, some headlines to look at. Seems like uh, things are going pretty well for President Trump. We'll take a look at some of the uh, headlines about him today. Also more going on with the EU as they have more migrants that are going to surge into that area. Uh, Take a look at the headline there and also take a look at some of the problems with men and boys in this country falling behind further and further. That and more this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumper Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG online at kpcg.fm. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And send any emails you'd like to do comments at kpcg.fm. Appreciate you sending those in. Had some nice comments the other day. Lots of radio ideas, lots of stories coming in. <laughs> and uh, so people are keeping their eye on the news, perusing the news <laughs> for us. And uh, so we appreciate you doing that. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon is here today as well. This uh, weekend, don't forget, daylight savings time begins officially at 2 a.m. Does anybody stay up till 2 a.m. to make sure they change their clocks? <laughs> well, Saturday night's probably a little bit more likely than most nights for people to be doing that. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Yeah, that's on uh, Sunday, 2 a.m., March the 11th. And uh, if you can't remember, and I, I struggle to remember which way we're going, we're springing ahead. So turn your clock ahead now or you lose an hour of sleep. Don't worry, you'll get it back in the fall. Uh, <laughs> it's 2, 2 a.m., spring ahead to 3 a.m. So that'll be... Uh, That'll be what we do this weekend. When I uh, years ago, when I was a teenager, and I started working in radio, and I'd do overnight shifts sometimes, particularly on Saturday nights into Sunday mornings, and it was always interesting working on daylight savings or uh, you know either direction, because sometimes you would you would lose an hour, so your shifts would be an hour shorter, and sometimes you'd repeat the hour. And being an hourly employee, it was always sort of interesting. Like, what do we do here? <laughs> you know, do I get do I get paid for that hour that didn't happen? And then conversely in the fall, uh, do I get paid twice for the same hour? It was always a bit of an accounting question. Well, even just the fact that different show hosts come on at different times, if if someone happened to be coming on at 2 o'clock, how do you really do that? <laughs> you have to figure it out. I mean, even for us over the weekend programming KPCG, you have to stop and think about the fact that in this case an hour is disappearing. So you've got to program the station for that. And uh, uh, it's always a good feeling when you check it and it's actually working. You're like, hey, it worked. <laughs> like The mathematical computations worked in my head. So don't forget to uh, spring ahead this weekend. Um, some states want to get a, uh, get rid of it. Others, I think, want it permanently. There's always debate. I think some states have it permanently. Uh, and some areas don't mess around with it too much. But uh I don't know. I always, I guess, I like having a little more daylight at night. You the same? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really nice to just be able to do more things. You know, actually not be tired at six o'clock just because it's already 
pitch black outside if you feel like you can do a little bit more but at the same time maybe that could encourage us to stay up a little bit later yeah it's uh, always a little interesting kind of throws me off for a few days but then i get back into the flow of things some headlines today that are really pretty good for president trump can we just say that president trump appears to have the golden touch <laughs> i know he gets a lot of negative uh uh comments from people and i there's things that he does that i think probably aren't the best at times but but just in general it seems like he's he's sort of uh uh invincible (laughs) like things just keep going his way here are some of the headlines today february jobs blowout plus 313,000 smashes expectations record 155 million 215,000 are employed you have to read it twice you're like oh employed not unemployed (laughs) stocks pop so the economy continues to boom at least on some level the world's been critical of the trade policy that he has in place with tariffs. But as has kind of been typical, he'll come out with a very strong statement. People get kind of like, what's going on? And then he says, what? You can negotiate your way around this if you want to. So I don't know if that'll work in our favor or not. Well, probably a lot of his critics haven't read The Art of the Deal <laughs> because it's like he's doing the same exact formula every time on one of these issues. He'll take a really... Um, hardline stance or he'll go really far in the direction that the left wants him to go and then he'll pull it back but basically the the general idea is that his first offer is not really the offer that he's going to stick by no matter what and then if you look beyond the economy this is kind of the big news this is a headline donald does it again surprise talks with north korea President Trump has agreed to sit down with his North Korean nemesis, Kim Jong-un, sometime in the next two months to discuss stripping the hermit nation of its nuclear arsenal. It was announced Thursday. Quite quite a development. People are quite interested in this. Well, weren't we on the brink of nuclear war with them because of their talks about the, how big the red button was in each nation? Uh, everyone was saying that President Trump's tough talk against North Korea was going to cause nuclear annihilation. And yet here it is, maybe a leader that Kim Jong-un respects enough to actually come to the table with. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Here's another headline related to that. CNN, MSNBC journalists give Trump glowing praise for North Korea move. So he's a really, really fascinating president (laughs) because he's so polarizing. And yet then he does things that, completely are the opposite of what people are expecting and then so the the liberal media is praising it i don't know how the conservatives feel if they feel like it's a bad decision or not but but we've seen this happen a few times we've seen it happen with with the gun question and some of the talks they've had now with north korea and so it's like even the people that are really against him he'll make some moves where they're giving glowing support it's a really fascinating thing to watch it's it's i don't know that i can remember seeing anything like this it's probably really likely that the media would be fawning over him constantly if he had happened to run as a Democrat whenever he was uh, trying to win the presidency. A lot of the things that he's doing are really middle of the road, or at least he is reaching across to try to bring everyone into agreement with each other in some way. Uh, he's called himself a unifier many times, and the record shows that he has been more willing than any president in a long time to try to work with people who disagree with him politically. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that North Korea situation. I don't, I don't uh, know enough about it yet. I haven't heard enough about it, particularly, uh, you know, from the trumpet to necessarily 
have a big opinion on it one way or the other. I mean, in some ways, he's such a pariah, Kim Jong-un, that you'd think, boy, you never should even talk to that guy in any fashion and just say, you're going to do this or else. And there might be people that have a different viewpoint on that. So I'm not sure yet um, how exactly how exactly you work with that. Uh, it'll, it'll just be fascinating to see, so I'll just have to reserve my, uh, my thought on it until we see how it plays out. Yeah, the one thing that Trumpet really said was just that um, we have to know that North Korea is not going to be the cause of World War III. The Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars, but North Korea is not a key player that actually sparks the massive end-all, be-all of uh, World War III. Uh, so it, really, it could go either way with the way that we interact with North Korea. We could have some kind of a small conflict with them, or we could come to a total agreement. It's just pretty hard to say at this point. I saw the news last night on my uh, my phone. It just gave me a little update that said um, President Trump's going to make an announcement tonight about North Korea. And I thought my guess would be that they're going to have meetings because what would be the other announcement? We're going to attack them. Like, I don't <laughs> think you'd announce that. You'd probably just do it. And Well, remember on the campaign trail how much he ridiculed uh, Barack Obama's plan of an- announcing when he would <laughs> attack ISIS and some of these other enemies in the Middle East. He's like, why would you tell the enemy that you're about to attack? So probably that wouldn't be his strategy. Right. So that was uh, <laughs> that's uh, got everybody buzzing. We'll see what happens with that over the next few weeks and months, I guess. Here's another headline today in relation to social media. We've, we talk about that, I guess, time uh, a few times because it's so prevalent. Millennials are starting to hate social media, too, <laughs> according to the uh, New York Post. Even millennials are getting sick of Instagram. More than half of users between the ages of 18 and 24 revealed they are seeking relief from social media, according to a survey. So I saw another headline, too, that Facebook's numbers are down. So they might, I don't know if they're getting nervous or not, but the, some of their biggest users are starting to get sick of them. Yeah, the studies are everywhere. The the even just the specific examples are everywhere of people who get addicted to taking selfies like we talked about recently or people who get depressed because of the way that other people's lives are depicted in such a positive way online that probably most of us couldn't measure up to. Uh just so many examples like that. Usually the most outrage we see in American life is sparked by a tweet or two. So it's just it just seems like social media is at the center of a lot of controversy and at, at the, the center of a lot of maybe even mental unwellness, too. There was a uh, video I actually saw recently. It just happened to pop up on uh, YouTube on the side. I guess it was loosely related to basketball highlights, but it was a <laughs> this uh, celebrity, this lady, young lady, and she uh, was on a radio show, a popular radio show, and she had put on her Instagram account some pictures of her and a new love interest, I guess, a new boyfriend. So the radio host asks her about it and says, oh, so you're, you know, you have this boyfriend and she got all offended by it. And she's like, I don't want to talk about that. And the, and the, the host said, well, but you put it on Instagram for the world to see, like, why would you put that on there? And she's like, well, I don't want to say anything about it. It's none of your business. And she was all offended by it. And I just thought, wow, that just seems, uh, ridiculous. Like you're, <laughs> you're intentionally putting it out there so the world can see your life, but then you don't want to talk about it. It seems like a, this this, this uh, celebrity's in her twenties, but it seemed like a something like a twelve or thirteen year old might do, <laughs> you know, where they want you to know something, but then don't talk to me about it. Yeah, you can't have it uh, both ways. I saw someone else. I think it might have been, um, it might have been Jamie Foxx who who recently walked off of an ESPN interview because he was asked about some woman he might have been dating, and it's like, 
well, you are the one who is out in public with her, getting your picture taken with her. So people are going to ask. I don't know if that's necessarily related to sports that much. Uh, but at the same time, if if you're going to advertise it, you can't have it both ways and then just turn around and say that no one could ever talk about it at all. <laughs> well, that's that's like the the interesting thing about celebrity, whether you're talking about actual celebrities or the people that want to be celebrities on these social media platforms is that attention is attention. That's what makes you a celebrity because people pay you attention. And it might be for good things, it might be for bad things, but that you need that for your career to exist. And so even the celebrities get sick of it sometimes, but <laughs> that's the only reason that you know they're on those shows. They didn't call them on there to get their opinion on North Korea. They, they want to know about their <laughs> dating life they posted on Instagram. But people are getting tired of the social media. Uh, this poll taken in December found that 34% of young users reported having uh, deleted social media accounts entirely. 41% of respondents said they waste too much time on social media, and 35% agreed that people their age are too distracted by their online lives. The most popular apps to quit permanently are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the dating app Tinder. Snapchat, on the other hand, escaped most teens' wrath. So uh, a lot of people are dumping some of these up. Uh, apps facebook i think has lost 24 percent. i think of users if i saw that number correctly so translates to money for those uh, those apps and those companies and really probably the only reason that snapchat hasn't declined yet is because that seems to be the latest fad yeah. that that might pretty quickly drop off too but it a lot of the celebrities have been switching over to snapchat which means that a lot of their followers are going to switch there as well yeah and i think that I think it's the whole thing is sort of like any any music group that comes out or clothing style and it's cutting edge and it's cool and so that's where the young people are and as soon as the you see the person across the mall from you that you don't consider cool and they're doing the same thing you're doing <laughs> now it's time to move on and I think that's the same thing with social media. I wouldn't look at this and think okay People aren't going to use social media anymore. They're going to go out and live their lives. I think they're probably just going to move on to whatever the new cool thing is, right? Didn't it used to be MySpace years ago? And right. Everyone, no, no one. That doesn't even exist to my knowledge anymore. People just move from platform yeah. to platform. It's not like, like, like you said, it's not like they're going out and flying a kite or doing something <laughs> outside, having a picnic. They're just going to go to other corners of the internet. Yep, it's, it's, so it's still going to take up to people's time, I guess. They're just going to figure out new ways to do it. That's that's the trend anyway. I mean, I've I've never seen anybody... You never see these trends get better. They always just seem to get worse, and somebody comes out with a new app that'll be even more all-encompassing or, you know, just engross people's minds and time. So, But some, some of those older ones, it, it's hard. Once you're not cool anymore, and the young people don't consider you cool you're kind of finished. I mean, look at every state fair out there and the bands that are playing. They were the top ticket 20 years ago, That's and true. now your mom and dad like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I guess that's the peril of uh, trying to make your life about who thinks you're cool and trying to gain everyone else's approval. Uh, the average person doesn't probably doesn't, doesn't have time to concern themselves too much with that. It, you, you know, if you have a job and a family and a lot of other things that, might add stress or responsibility to your life you, you can't afford to spend all day on a social media platform or trying to you know spend time making yourself look more attractive so that more people will applaud you basically yeah probably the thrill of it's gone the thrill of people like what i posted or they there's a lot of blogs like that that 
come into existence and then they die because eh, people get sick of seeing them mm. and everybody starts doing it. There's plenty of blogs that I used to look at that just aren't there anymore. People grew up and moved on with life. Yeah, it's it's always about the latest fad or trend and uh, I think even that, that word hipster is talking about mm. people who like things before everyone else started liking it and those same people get they hate the exact same thing as soon as enough people start liking it. Uh, that's that's sort of a, a large amount of the populace, it seems like. Yep. So some things you can move on from pretty easily, like Facebook. Some things you can't, like tattoos. <laughs> so some some of those will be permanent. <laughs> be around for a long time. But it does, I think these trends, it just highlights what Mr. Herbert Armstrong talked about years ago. And I think it's in, in certainly in some of his books, how so much of Western culture is really teen culture. And whatever the teens like... Um, that's what's cool. And, of course, then they become adults, and then the new generation has their new things they like. And thankfully, uh, most of us, once we get past the teen years, don't spend too much time worrying about that because, you know, if we're 40 or 50 and still worrying about the approval of a 15-year-old, that that's pretty pathetic. Yeah, not a good place to be <laughs> if you have to rely on that. Uh, here's an interesting headline. This is from Breitbart. Uh, it's about the uh, EU. Still at breaking point, EU braces for fresh migrant surge. The European Union is bracing itself for a fresh surge of migrants in the spring and summer of 2018. I guess those are the traveling months. As the bloc continues to struggle with the ongoing crisis. So here you have an EU that is sort of in flux. And you have Angela Merkel, who is leading Germany, but not as strongly as she used to. And one of the big problems for her is this: um, these migrants, and now you have this another surge coming through. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the EU with these migrants continuing to surge in. Yeah, normally people would look forward to the spring and the summer, but because the water's warmer, it's probably a lot safer or at least more desirable for people to try to cross the border. And there are a lot of different uh, human smugglers who would gladly oblige them on that. Uh, people are giving up their whole life savings or they're even almost putting family members in slavery sometimes just to try to escape where they're coming where they're coming from uh, it's just a really tragic situation and you would think that if Europe did more to ensure that no one could actually enter people wouldn't even be willing to take the risk to get across CNN had an interesting uh, video a while ago they sent in a couple of uh, reporters women <laughs> And they, I think they made sure they were protected well enough at a distance, but they sent them in there to try to be smuggled and see what happens. And obviously, Ugh. being a woman in particular, uh, bad things happen. Even if you make it, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal for the people trying to get to Europe. It's a bad deal for Europe when they show up. Some people are trying to escape trouble. Other people are coming for terrorism activities. Probably some in the middle that go one way or the other. So it's a bad deal over there in the EU, and uh, it's just, you know, I think about, like, say, if you watch water move and hit a rock, eventually it wears it down and breaks it, and it feels like this migrant surge is like that water just hitting this EU uh, rock, if you want to call it that, and it's going to bust it apart at some point and cause some real change. And the huge problem is that Angela Merkel will not face the problem head on and deal with it as if it's actually a problem. Uh, she keeps talking as if it's every European nation's moral responsibility to take all these people in. And really, it's not. It's it's no one's responsibility in Europe to make sure that the lives of those in the Middle East and Africa are all uh, just fine. It, mainly, people have to take responsibility for themselves and try to change the countries where they are instead of bringing that third world way of life into Europe. 
and those places over there are just so bad. Um, Syria and those other nations are just absolutely uh, war zones, blown apart. And so you feel for those people. You know how how what would it take for them to uh, get their situations sorted out? One thing it would take is some of these bigger players to stop uh, instigating. Like Russia would have to calm down, right, and other nations like that. And you'd have to deal with Assad and a few other things. But uh, it doesn't appear like any of that's going to happen. Well, I wonder which option is easier. Is it easier for Europe to go into the Middle East and Africa and act as the stabilizing force while keeping the migrants out? Or is it easier to just let the migrants come, not deal with the problems at the source, and then just try to see if you can assimilate all these people? Uh, The migrant situation, letting them all come, seems like it's actually a lot worse for those nations. Yeah, it is. They say the EU has done a poor job of mitigating the associated security risks with its own rescue efforts, uh, failing to coordinate effectively with police authorities and pass on information about new arrivals due to ethical considerations and data protection rules. So it's it's a bad situation there in the EU. So we'll watch that. And, of course, the Trumpet has a lot to say about that, and uh, we'll continue to watch that as well. Here's a really, really fascinating story. Um, we're both NBA fans and uh, and basketball fans, and I think a lot of people are. But we were talking the other day about how humans are trying to fill this void in their lives. And sometimes when you look at sports stars, when they lose what they've been known for, which is playing a professional sport, they have a hard time moving on with life. Like they don't know what to do with themselves. And I think it highlights the human condition in general with if you don't know God's truth and you don't have his spirit and you don't have um, purpose beyond the day-to-day routine. And so this is a write-up from ESPN. Chris Bosch's search for that feeling he once had as an NBA star. Chris Bosch was a uh, really great player with the Toronto Raptors and then with the uh, Miami Heat. And then he started getting blood clots, first in his lung and then in his leg, to the point where he really can't play professional basketball anymore because there's a risk of him dying. And he keeps he keeps trying to come back, but the N- NBA basically declared that his career was over, which probably makes a lot of teams really hesitant to sign him. So that, that has to frustrate him even more, the fact that he's in the gym and training right now, uh, but a lot of teams just won't take that chance on him. There's been a couple players over the years that have died uh, – because they had health problems, usually a heart issue. Uh, Richard Lewis of Boston Celtics years ago, I remember him dying. Wow. And so occasionally it happens, and you wouldn't expect it. you think this is a fit, prime athlete, but in some cases there's a problem. In Chris Bosch's case, there's blood clots that form, which can be deadly. And they say just like that, it was over for him. No more championship trophies to hoist, no more all-star teams to make, no more, no more gold medals or endorsements or private jet excursions with the guys. Bosch retreated home to uh, his wife and their four small children, plunked himself on his leather sofa and asked out loud what just happened. You know, he had this, this life going. He, he, you know, you think it'll never end. And all of a sudden, he's not who he used to be. Now he still has money. I mean, he still is taken care of. But he doesn't have purpose anymore, and so he's really searching and trying to find purpose, and he's having a hard time with it. Yeah, because the basketball life is probably a really fun one. Obviously, it's tiring because they play 82 games plus playoffs, and they're traveling all the time. But at the same time, they're traveling all the time. That's a pretty fun way to live, especially if you're on your 
uh, a private plane with all your your best friends and you get to go to eat at all the re- nicest restaurants go to all the all the clubs in all the different cities uh, that's pretty much like a non-stop party type of life but once you retire you're not with those same people anymore and you're not able to uh keep in touch with them quite as much yeah a lot of athletes have dealt with this they really miss the routine they miss their friends they miss that life this write-up says many nba players are ill-equipped for life after basketball losing the game is one thing losing the environment that accompanies it has been even harder the players that Bosch spent every waking moment uh, with for nearly 10 months a year have one by one vanished from his life. And you know how that is. I mean, you could say, hey, we'll keep in touch, but they've got this other life and now you're not part of it anymore. It tails off, Bosch admits. Guys tried to stay in touch, but it doesn't last. They get in the middle of the season and you aren't part of it. You're sitting here feeling like nobody cares about you. I went from a full schedule, 41 road games, everyone coming to see you, everybody loving you, people wanting stuff from you. He says, actually, people still want stuff from him. (laughs) He says, to this schedule I have now, I spend my days in an office in my house. There are things to be done that I don't have the skill set for. I'm able to learn on the fly so I can function, but it's difficult. People used to ask me, what else do you want to do? And for me, the answer was nothing. I loved basketball. It's all I wanted. And so... There he is, you know, all the adulation, all the adoring fans, all the attention is gone in an instant. And now he's sitting there trying to figure out what to do with life and what the point of life is. That basketball career is really just a fleeting moment in time almost. It it can just just disappear at any time. Uh, For a lot of athletes, their careers end not when they choose, but when an injury or a disease like this strikes them and they could have been in the prime of their career and then have to quit all of a sudden. Not only do they miss out on millions of dollars from those contracts that they could have played in, but they have the endorsements. And like you said, all those friends and uh, just, just the fact that millions of fans are obsessed with you, uh, that that's pretty good for the ego. And then when all that disappears overnight, it's a pretty big adjustment. Yeah, he says you go from uh, being with the guys all the time on the team in the locker room in practice, you have a, a militarized brain in terms of schedule, and then all of a sudden you're on your own. You lose a sense of purpose, you lose a sense of yourself, you lose confidence. You find yourself saying, I was the best at this and now I'm not the best. You have to deal with not being very good. You have to deal with people no longer catering to you. You start feeling forgotten. You don't get as many phone calls. You don't stay at the forefront of people's minds. It's natural. It's life. You have to understand what's happening. But I definitely see why the divorce rate is so high and why players go broke. Because they they never get that feeling back again. He said, guys spend all their money trying to capture that feeling again. And you can't eat Prime 112, which is a really nice restaurant, every night anymore. There's this never-ending search for that feeling you once had, and it can cost you. And then later on he said he, he, wants, he just wants to feel that feeling one more time, mm-hmm. to go out there and to have 20,000 people cheering your name. And a, a couple of Bible passages came to mind, one being Ecclesiastes 1, where it says, Vanity of vanities. Uh, it's all vanity. <laughs> what profit has a man of all of his labor which he takes under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes. Like all these Hollywood stars, all these athletes, at the end of their life they say, what was the point? You know, I'm faded away and, and this next generation comes. And the, But Christ said in Matthew six thirty three, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
So that's what the focus has to be because that's a hope that's lasting. Everything else, you can be the best in the world at something, but it fades away. And what Chris Bosch described it as is actually really accurate. He said it was like a feeling. That's all it really is. It's just a passing feeling. You might have a lot of money and can buy whatever you want, but at the same time, a lot of people become your friends who are not really your friends because they just want to get in on some of the money that you have. And uh, that's why probably a lot of the interaction drops off once you're no longer a part of that and you can't give people all these free tickets to games and things like that. Uh, you find out who your friends are pretty quickly. Uh, and even sometimes, uh, like he said, the divorce rate's high. Uh, part of that, obviously, is because these guys are might be miserable when they're done with basketball. But at the same time, maybe the maybe the wives weren't really in it for the right reason sometimes either. Yeah, that happens sometimes where once people are around each other, then they realize, oh, <laughs> we're having a harder time than we thought. Uh, one other passage that came to mind was First uh, Corinthians fifteen nineteen, where it says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If all you have hope in is the here and now, even if you're at the top and you got millions of dollars and you, you know, you're the star of everything, it still goes away. There's no there's no lasting hope in it. And he's experiencing this right now. Chris Bosch is and many others have experienced that when they've been elite at something. And even even those that I guess are more average, there still comes a point in life where you realize all the physical things, all the things you maybe go after, it's like chasing the wind. It all goes away. And then at the end, people question what was the point of it all. If they don't have a foundation in God's plan and understanding what the purpose of life is, it gets pretty hopeless at some point. Well, think about that. A lot of them, they have made their entire lives about a ball and a sport. And you made the point the other day about how in the future, people's lives won't revolve around things like that anymore. Uh, communities might play each other in a game, but then, like you said, they'd go back to their job the next day. They wouldn't make their entire lives about a false god of whatever sport it is. Uh, these people are miserable because that god fades away, and it's not its not a legitimate god that can actually do anything real for them, n nothing real and lasting. And at the same time, there is a real God who can give you so much more and so much more hope and vision and enjoyment and fulfillment from life that you can't get from basketball because it ends at some point. There there has to be something that never ends. And he's he's just expressing, uh, Chris Bosch, is something that a lot of people feel in life where he's 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 having to deal with the fact that his, his vanity and his identity has been diminished. And Mr. Armstrong wrote about being converted, and he talked about people having to really repent, and he talked about the idols that most people have in their lives, and he, he had three main things, um, vanity, job and occupation, people's opinions. Didn't he talk about all three of those in this article oh, wow. here? I mean, his job, people's opinions, and his vanity, it's all been hit. That's, that's <clears throat> spot on. That's exactly what he's going through, and a lot of us— deal with that to a certain extent probably uh, we wouldn't be miserable without our jobs necessarily because carnally we're not making millions of dollars and we don't have all these adoring fans but still well, we have a lot of fans of course of course we do <laughs> uh but still it uh, we would feel maybe a little bit empty unless we had a deeper hope uh you know is he finding fulfillment from his family right now or from you know any sort of religious beliefs that he has it doesn't really seem like it you have to have something deeper as a foundation uh, to really keep you sane once you lose all that glory and to uh, 
Chris Bosch's credit, from what I could read and gather about him, he's a pretty pretty level-headed individual. It does seem like he is going to uh, do do well once he kind of gets it figured out, and he will move forward. But a lot of people don't do as well as he has done, or and and he is struggling with it and being honest with it. And so it's just uh, really interesting because every human goes through that same that same phase in life where they they have a need for something, and they can fill it for a while with maybe fans or playing basketball or getting things, but eventually that goes away and you still have that emptiness. And what, what do you fill that with? And it, it's God's spirit, but people don't know that, and so they look to a lot of physical things that don't make them happy. This type of lifestyle often is it's not really the fault of the person who worked really hard to attain all those things, but it's just a reality that sometimes when you get so many riches that it's higher than a mountain, uh, it does take your focus off of the spiritual and the, the right priorities in life. Uh, and that's, and like you said, it's Chris Bosch. He's someone who is going to handle it better than most. He's not going to go completely broke or start committing crimes now. Uh, but still, anytime you, you get that much and it becomes your sole purpose in life to have all of these physical things around you all the time, uh, that fades and you feel empty no matter who you are. Yeah, his last line there I think is just amazing. There's this never-ending search for that feeling that you once had and it can cost you. They just can't quite get it back again. And, uh, you know, people spend a lot of money, a lot of time, get into a lot of things. And, uh, you know, what happens too, I was thinking about this, is that a lot of times the things people will really go after to try to fill that void end up being the things that destroy them or the things that they hate the most. You know, obviously that's the case with drugs. Or it can be the case, say, maybe people get a thrill out of gambling or something. Well, it destroys you in the end. It can be as simple as food. If you try to fill up some sort of need in life with food, you know, you hear about that from time to time. Well, then you have problems, health problems. A lot of times, if it's bad food in particular. And so people are seeking to fill this void with something, but when it's the wrong thing, it actually ends up being the thing that destroys them. Yeah, and even even basketball in his case could do that because he's still trying to come back, which could be health threatening, life threatening for him. But he wants it so badly that he's he's going to try to come back again despite those blood clots. Um, I read an article about Ichiro Suzuki the other day. He was a really great baseball player for my favorite team, the Seattle Mariners, and then he's played for the Yankees and the Marlins too. And he's already forty four years old. Uh, he just signed with the Mariners again, and he wants oh. to play at least until he's fifty. And people have asked him, what do you want to do afterward? And he says, I think I'll just die. Like, that's, it's his whole life. He has stripped away everything. He doesn't even talk to his dad anymore, who actually made him amazing at baseball in the first place, despite Ichiro not liking it as much as he, he might have. But he doesn't even talk to his dad. And, and he's away from his wife for so long because he has to have the exact same minute-by-minute training regimen he leaves the hotel every morning at eleven forty-six a.m and then he drives to the baseball park every single day he hits exactly 50 from the soft soft toss 100 actual batting practice pitches i mean his whole life revolves on that around that and if he lost it he he just said he would rather die mm. it's amazing you do see that even on smaller levels when people a lot of times when they retire and then they don't know what to do with themselves and the routine changes and they just kind of they don't know. Now, there is a point there that it is good to stay busy, too. You know, It's not that it's bad to have a great schedule like that. Um, that's all good. It's just the point that we're trying to make is that people are empty and they're searching for something, and they try to fill it. And it might fill them for a time, 
but eventually they end up not being able to hold on to things. You know, life does slip through your hands like sand through the hourglass, right? I mean, you can't you can't hold it there forever. So it almost makes you thankful to not have that much sometimes, just because it it just takes over your entire focus, and it's like you can't live without it. I mean, if you took away a family member from me, maybe I would struggle a little bit. But if you know, losing some money or whatever, it's not like I had so much to begin with that it's my whole life's going to fall apart if I lose some. Bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? Exactly. That's what they always they always say. The Bible talks about that too. I mean, David talked about that in, when he was repenting of, of his sins with Bathsheba there. And, you know, he said, you know, the rich think or, you know, the leaders think even subconsciously that they're going to go on. It'll go on forever. You know, they're, they'll be remembered forever. And even even Chris Bosch, people forget about him. They just forget. <laughs> and he was a he was a big star. And now nobody even talks about him anymore. And what was it, a year, year and a half, two years? It's been a couple of years now it's not since thin. he last played. And yeah. uh, he was a two-time champion, mm-hmm. and the whole league is completely different since he left. Right. It's, it's like, what have you done for me lately, though? You right. know, you, you may have been good in the past, but your time is done. Yep, it, all, it goes that way. So there's really a lot to consider there just in terms of, like Christ said, getting the priorities right and seeking the kingdom first. Trumpet.com today. Top story is German bishops allow communion for Protestant spouses. Make sure you check that out by Andrew Miller. Key of David, brand new program this weekend here on KPCG and on the Trumpet website and on television. The Abomination of Desolation. Your Bible describes a terrifying end time event known as the Abomination of Desolation. Where and how will this event unfold? A lot of people are familiar with that term, Abomination of Desolation, that name, but uh, don't know a lot about it. So this is a really, really good key of David to uh, check out this weekend. Trumpet Daily Radio show today with your host, Stephen Fleury. Uh, It's a fascinating program. Uh, Some great clips from Fox News program about just some stats on how men are just absolutely being destroyed. I mean, even physically, men are not men like they used to be. The testosterone counts are way down. Everything's down with men. 30% lower in the last... 30 years yeah. so it, every year we've gone down one percent in our testosterone from from those of us who were the same age 30 years ago so if you're 40 now at, versus someone who is 40 30 years ago you have 30 percent less testosterone which means less energy less excitement about life less drive less ability to propel yourself through challenges uh, it's a pretty big change when men don't have testosterone like they should yeah that's it's uh, amazing to hear some of those numbers and then uh of course they're falling behind men and boys are behind women and the the push is to push the women forward it's been that way for quite some time you, we hear about that now even with like say uh pay scale and the women don't get paid enough and all this and like he points out in the show if you actually look at the real numbers there the women do quite well in some cases better than the men do even though they keep saying that you know the women are being held back they're actually outperforming the men in almost every category and and the the host being quoted there was tucker carlson from fox news he said that a lot of these uh sayings like women earning 77 cents on the dollar of what men earn they're just talking points and it would be wonderful if we could just dig through the shallow, deceptive, intentionally deceptive talking points that are really only meant for political gain and get to the facts of the matter. And he, he listed off a lot of them in that something like seven-minute segment on his show. Uh, 
it, the facts are, are right there that women are actually extremely successful, more likely to graduate high school, go to a good college, get a good degree. They're less likely to get involved with drugs or, or alcohol or crime or premarital sex and things like that. So it's just uh, pretty obvious that there's a problem with men. And, and he even pointed out, Mr. Flurry pointed out on his show how uh, 26 of the last 27 mass shooters were fatherless. Right. And I believe the one who wasn't uh, was a radical Islamist. So even there, um, it's pretty much 100% of the time, if your father's not in the house uh, and you're lacking masculinity, you're going to experience these gigantic problems. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to see what's happening. And uh, as Tucker Carlson pointed out, why this has never happened to such a large segment of the population before. Why wouldn't we take a look at this, what's going on? And, and of course, they don't know exactly what's going on. I think they, they can see the social movements. But who's behind it? Well, ultimately, Satan's behind it. He hates the father role because it is a type of God the Father. He hates that. Absolutely hates it, and so it's being destroyed in every way possible. And you see it everywhere you look today. Even even the health stats, 70% of men in the U- U.S. are obese. Mm. And the women, I think it's only like 59 or something, which still is a lot. But but even there, the women are outperforming the men in terms of physical fitness. Yeah, and even I think the, the other stat was that 74% of all suicides are committed by men. So in every way, it, it just about every way you could actually measure, it looks like men are doing a lot worse. So why why don't people talk about that? Well, there's an active effort in society to undermine real men. And like Mr. Flurry brought out on his show, uh, it's 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 pretty obvious even when you look at the Oscars and the movies that won when they're glorifying homosexuals, pedophiles, transgenders. What about what about like military heroes or or even can we even get back to like glorifying sports stars? I mean, at least at least those people are are strong and they look like men should and they can do some pretty incredible physical feats. But we're we're just talking about you know uh, some of the most disgusting filth possible all these all these different people who are are weak and effeminate and even perverse and those are the types of movie depictions that are winning the biggest awards yeah it's unbelievable the this is a related story to that he mentioned this briefly from CSN Marine Corps command uh commandant says less than 30% of young men and women qualified to join military well, really, if you if the if they had the normal uh, standards, I don't think mo- hardly any women would make it. But they've lowered those. Uh, General Robert B. Neller told the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Defense. So I think we're all aware that you know, in the nation, I mean, <laughs> it's a strategic issue that less than thirty percent of the young men and women of our nation are qualified just to join the military, either because of physical, mental, or moral issues. So now we're down to 30%, and now we have to find those that have a propensity or are interested in doing this. You have 70% of the uh, uh, population, and let's just talk about the men here in particular, that are not even physically fit to join the military. Well, that that stands with that other statistic, 70% are obese. Couldn't even join the military, just on a physical basis. Um, what's happened to the men? Who's going who's gonna to defend the country if it came to that? We're gonna. Who are we gonna send out there? The kids. <laughs> They're leading on gun control. Maybe send them out there. But uh, we just don't have the men like we used to have. Well, it's even a tragedy that women are having to get into the armed forces because that that's a pretty recent development too. If 
men were being men and stepping up to that responsibility, they wouldn't, they would never allow women to get involved in something like that because that's just, that's dangerous. It's not, it's not the role of women to have to experience risk and danger like that. Uh, but we're trying to make everything equal. We're trying to make the genders the same. We're trying to make the roles the same. We're trying to make sure that every quota of every job is exactly 50% men and 50% women, if it's not more women in every one of these fields. And we're just ignoring the reality that men have to be the ones who are dying for the country. It shouldn't be the women having to do that either. You know, and I, not to, not to, you know, pick, poke fun at anybody or anything, but I mean, you just go out into like a grocery store or some, some communal area and you see people that I, and I don't know, I can't tell what they are. True. They're just kind of a blob of humanity and I can't tell if it's male or female or what it is. You see just a lot of that. Where where do you see the actual men? Like, that's a man, that's a strong guy. You don't see enough of that anymore. Yeah, and that's that's whether the people are obese or not. Sometimes they just have no distinguishable masculine or feminine features right, goes both in ways. the face or in their body or anything. It's just impossible to tell. Um, and that's that's a pretty dangerous trend in society where we are working so hard to make the two genders exactly the same that even physically you just can't tell the difference. Sometimes you can look at them all day if you wanted to, and you would never be able to tell. Yeah. And it's not attractive on either side of it. There's a really good book, um, to look at, uh, biblical manhood. It's at the trumpet.com and it's got a, a lot of great information in there. And we want to look at a little segment here as we conclude today about health yeah, this is uh, titled Forge Vigorous Health, and it's talking about men and specifically. It says, do not underestimate the value of good health to fulfilling your role as a man. A strong, healthy physical body gives you the energy to embrace life's challenges. It enables you to accomplish many of the tasks and work associated with manhood. It even has a profound effect on your mindset. We all know that. I mean, if you feel better physically, you feel better mentally. Physical and mental fitness go together like a lock and key. A sluggish, weak body usually means a dull mind. Good health aids in mental wellness and clear thinking. Good health aids in that. Uh, Beyond that, it motivates you to tackle manly responsibilities. And beyond even that, it sets the right example for your family and those who look to you for leadership. Good health is not just something nice to have. It's a basic law of success. And so, as he points out here, it requires establishing good daily habits to uh, develop and sustain good health. And we're going to take a look at a few of those habits uh, here today. Yeah, those are. it's a really helpful uh, part of this book. And it's exactly the opposite of what society says, where no matter what type of body you have, you can be proud of it because otherwise um, it's a real, it's, a, it's fat shaming, they call it. Mm-hmm. If, if anyone points out that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be 500 pounds. Maybe that's not the best for your health. Well, there's so much outrage. And even even to the point of, like, the models, people who are modeling clothing or whatever, they, they can't be too physically fit or else that's going to offend those who are not. There has to be a reality that a certain level of fitness is ideal. And to pretend like it's not is actually pretty cruel to everyone who is uh, maybe struggling health-wise. Yeah, I mean, that's a, just a perfect example of the truth sometimes, hopefully delivered kindly. <laughs> but we should be able to look at ourselves and make some good evaluations just by ourselves. Um, but the truth is what actually will help people. You know, if, if we're if we're really struggling with physical health, and particularly, say, weight or something like that, well, what's it better? Is it better to just lie about it and pretend like it's fine? Or is it better to try to get it 
under control. I mean, just even in terms of longevity and your, your, are you going to live or not? I mean, you, we can pretend a lot of things, but at the end of the day, there's plenty of scientific research that shows very clearly that, okay, if you're in a bad physical condition, you have a higher likelihood of you name the diseases all the way down the line. They know that's where it comes from. Yeah, I read an article the other day. It was actually from a few years ago, and it was making the point about uh, a different issue entirely, but the analogy was like uh, a man who just had a heart attack doesn't want to talk to you about why he's eating a double cheeseburger right now. You know, people people don't want to face the actual issues of maybe the way I'm eating, the way that I'm sleeping, or even even the way that I'm just lounging around all the time is affecting my health, that it takes a lot of hard work to reverse those bad habits and to uh, break your reliance on pills or other supposedly magical programs that will bring your health back overnight. Uh, you have to take personal responsibility for these things and you have to talk about it or you at least have to be self-aware enough to acknowledge it yourself so that you don't have to get to the point where someone else has to tell you. Yeah, nobody wants to be... Uh, ridiculed in the crowd <laughs> for sure <laughs> but again we should just take a look and say okay I might need to improve on this here's some some things to uh, think about in terms of uh, health be upright good posture while standing and sitting that's of course every time you read that then you kind of evaluate what you're doing <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> there's there's a lot of uh, sitting today of course a lot of jobs require sitting and so uh, posture is very important when we're sitting or standing and moving different things like that and it gets into a lot of details of why that's the case. And you can read that for yourself. We're just hitting some of the high spots here. So good posture is important. And like it points out, I mean, if you if you look at a man and, and he's kind of stooped over, I mean, I'm not talking about like older health problems. I mean, <laughs> because he chooses to not stand up correctly and, <laughs> and he's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, just uh, doesn't have that, that strong, confident posture. It's hard to have confidence in that individual. Right. And, and Mr. Armstrong has talked about how uh, when TV was just just becoming popular in society, how people would spend hours on it and obviously fill their minds with all kinds of wrong content. But then he also made the point that people's physical posture or their appearance or their body shape is shifting because of all the time lounging without without giving any care to the way that you uh the way that you sit or the way that you even lie down or stand, people literally are, are hunching over because of the way that they're contorting themselves while they watch so much TV. Yeah, and think about it now with uh, video games or internet use or social media, uh, all of those things, uh, even more so. You can look at so many things that Mr. Armstrong wrote about 50 years ago, <laughs> societal trends, health issues, all kinds of things, and he was spot on. You know, he didn't, he didn't know maybe every detail of how it would work out, but you look at the principles in play there, it's amazing to look at that, and you think, wow, I mean, if if people would have just said, you know what, I'm going to follow that advice, man, they'd be so much better off. And, of course, it's a lesson for all of us. And that's such an easy part of TV or other entertainment to overlook is just how it does physically make you start aching or get you, it gets you stiff after a while. You, you would think, well, just sitting shouldn't hurt me. But the thing is, TV is something that we're doing in our free time. So if we spend all day working while sitting, and then we spend all of our free time sitting while watching TV, that's a lot of sitting, and TV is actually taking the place of a lot of exercise and, and moving that we should be doing. Yeah, I had that happen yesterday. I was sitting at my desk, 
and I, my, like my leg went numb. You ever get that where you're just yeah. you're sitting there and I'm like, man, I had to get up, move around a little bit. <laughs> that leads right into the next point. Get moving. Exercise. Uh, very important. Of course, it can go to extremes and we see extremes in society, but just talking about general exercise, depending on your, your age and your health and so forth, we, we need to move around. We're designed to move. And I can't help but think, and I don't know all the science behind this, but I can't help but think when I hear numbers about how male testosterone levels are dropped so much. I would guess it has a lot to do with lack of movement. Mm. I mean, because if you, if just as a guy, you know that hey, if you spend a day doing some hard work, you feel you feel a little better, a little different than if you just sat about. And so I just wonder if that's part of it, at least. And I'm sure diet and other things play in, but we're designed to move about. And this biblical manhood book even even mentions spending the time to make sure that you look a certain way. I mean, uh, we should have a certain type of build it doesn't mean everyone has to be a bodybuilder but uh standing tall is one thing but also having a little bit of muscle or at least having some kind of strength so that we can uh take care of tasks that that the woman women shouldn't have to be doing uh that's that's practical use it's not just for looking good but it's also for serving too yeah and then when you have kids and they want to jump on you you have to be able to withstand the pressure <laughs> That's very true of that of that occurring <laughs> or they fall asleep and you have to move them across the house <laughs> it takes a little bit uh another very important key to having good fitness and good health as a man or woman too is uh the right fuel good diet is essential that's another huge problem in the society because of all the food factories it's hard to get actually good fuel for your body it can be pretty time consuming or uh, expensive depending on if if you're just trying to be quick about uh, getting healthy foods it's going to cost you more money so hopefully you can take the time to find where the deals are and make sure that you're getting the best ingredients and you feel a lot better it, it, it's a big difference between having a salad and 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 maybe uh, meat that's cooked the right way without all the the fats and the butters with it uh, versus like a big greasy burger you you feel totally different after having those two things another point that is brought out here is uh, cleanliness and dress and it says consider uh, as well what your clothing says about you if you dress slovenly you project a bad unmanly image this affects your own mindset and the way that others perceive and treat you Dress sharply, appropriate for the occasion and the highest quality you can afford, and it will properly frame and enhance your masculinity. People don't think about that enough today. We all know that. I mean, we, you, everyone has that anxiety dream, right? You show up and you're wearing the wrong thing. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> wearing the right thing at the right time, it does help the way people perceive us, and it helps the way we feel about ourselves. And I mean, I read a story the other day about how at the at the office now it's cool to have tattoos. Well, you know, okay, that may be so, but in any event, we have to think about our overall cleanliness and our overall dress, and uh, that is something where uh, physical fitness ties into that as well. Because if you're extremely overweight, it's kind of hard to find stuff that works. Yeah, that's true. And and this point about uh, dressing the right way, it's pretty much being trampled on in a lot of different areas that we that we see it's for some reason become popular to wear sneakers with an, a full suit uh in any way that people can dress below the actual dress standard that's usually expected uh, that's considered cool now uh and it just makes people look like bums there's no reason there's no reason to wear less than the best for whatever the, the occasion is and obviously you just have to consider what the activity is how much you have to be moving uh what what the actual standard is and try to meet that or exceed that don't go below it 
which is what a lot of people seem to be doing now. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's that is really what you see. Whatever the standard is, it's like try to get underneath that a little bit and go lower. Yeah, it's like it's cool to wear a shirt and shorts to like a memorial service or something. What? Why not dress a little nicer sometimes? Yeah. That's a great point. Last point to bring out here is sleep and rest. Um, and they give some great points about how if you're having a hard time falling asleep, there's some things you can work on there. And these these points all kind of, you know, they go together. You know, if you're moving about, you're active, you're eating well, you're going to sleep better. But if you're not doing those things, you won't sleep as well. So it, you can see how it's all a cycle. We were built by a master creator. And so he has a plan for the way we should move and operate and fuel our bodies and sleep. And if we break those, some, something in the chain there, the whole thing kind of comes off the rails a little bit yeah and a good principle about sleep is just to go to bed earlier so you can wake up earlier and like like he said it does relate because if you are working hard all day long or you are getting a lot of exercise you will be tired earlier in the evening anyway and you'll be more easily able to wake up after a good night of rest earlier in the morning too yeah for sure some great points there uh biblical manhood book make sure you uh Check that out. It's free, and it's at thetrumpet.com, and it is very much a needed uh, resource this time. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us on this weekend edition. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program, Trumpet Daily Radio Show, and Trumpet Hour Week in Review coming up. Don't forget about Daylight Savings. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Folk, have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.